Amen. Good morning. It's good to see all of you here. We're glad to be in the house of the Lord today. A few announcements I would like to make just as we begin our service. Um, and a couple of prayer requests as well. Don't forget, we are filling backpacks for the Appalachian Trail Ministry. Well, Appalachian Mountain, not Trail. Appalachian Mountain Ministry. Um, they're due today. If you did not bring yours today, please let us know so we can make arrangements because next Sunday night at the annual association meeting at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, the backpacks will be uh, loaded onto uh, a truck. In fact, it's Glenlock's truck to go uh, to the Appalachian ministry where that will be distributed. So please be in prayer for that as well, that God will do with those backpacks what he intends, which is to bless the children and families that that will affect. WMU will meet Wednesday at 6 o'clock. Ladies, we'd love to have you in that ministry as well. Uh, At the end of October, the 28th, Sunday evening, 6 o'clock, we're going to have a discussion on how to care for others in difficult times. Kim Harper will be there. I will be there. Bryson will be there. We will be facilitating both the teaching and the discussion. I hope and pray you'll come because, as we all know, difficult times are coming, and we need to be prepared for ourselves and those we care about in knowing how to minister and the ways that God uh, desires to work through us to minister to others. Still accepting candy donations for our Harvest Festival, which will take place Wednesday night, October the 31st from 6 to 8. There's bins uh, in the welcome area to donate candy. And then Bryson uh, is announcing, and I am as well, but see Bryson if you have further questions. Our students are going to Reverb, a student event put on by the Word of Life on November the 16th. It'll be $45 per student, and you'll stay up all night eating food and having fun. (laughs) To some of you, that doesn't sound fun. Uh, but to the students, it probably does. Please see Bryson sign up by November the 7th. Okay, a couple of things. Uh, be in prayer for Billy Vaughn. He's still in the hospital at Tanner. Uh, he has diverticulitis. Y'all be lifting up Billy. And then, of course, those who were affected this week by Hurricane Michael. Our friends at Russum Trucking are sending a truck down um, soon. So, one of the ways that we can help, Rusty and Cheryl have reached out to us. If you want to bring to Glenlock things like water, non-perishable food items, baby necessities, toiletries. I'm not going to go through the whole list, but Friday she sent me a list of all the things that they were going to take. Uh, let's bring those items here, and then we will take them. Or we will take them to the Clarks, and they will take them uh, to those affected by Michael. With that in mind, um, I want to thank Nancy Hall for a nice note. She had family affected directly, as a lot of you might have, by Hurricane Michael. And I just want to read this that she wrote to share with us to remind us of the great needs that are there because we are so forgetful and we move on with our lives where they're still in need and struggling. So we want to pray for them and also help them in practical ways. Please continue to pray for those in Florida, and I will add Georgia as well, affected by the hurricane. There are so many in rural areas who have not been reached yet. 
There's no gas for vehicles, generators, or chainsaws. The government has promised fuel by tomorrow, but it will be cash only as there's no electricity. No ATMs and banks are closed. Many are destroyed. There is still a need for food and water. Please pray for this stressful time for many. Thank you, Ms. Nancy, for reminding us of the needs that are there. And when you put together what Rusty and Cheryl are doing, uh, we are able to help in practical ways. You can begin bringing that, uh, those items tonight or, or at any time. I'll, I'll meet you in Carrollton to get these items if, if necessary. Or we can meet you in Franklin. Um, or you can take them to uh, Rusty and Cheryl's shop just, just off of uh, West Ferry Road. All right, the other, let, let's stand. The other thing is Bryson had a birthday this week. Bryson, come on up here. We've got something that may help you. You're singing when? Okay, well, that'll help him as well. But, hey, we've got a Home Depot gift card from our church family because Bryson is a homeowner now. <laughs> so... At our closing, they said, welcome to home ownership. I had no idea what they knew, but it is a blessing. So from your church family, we love you. Happy birthday. I tell you what, before he comes to read our passage, Mr. Joe, will y'all hit it? Let's sing happy birthday to Bryson. I don't know what that is. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. to say that was the most in tune and prettiest sounding birthday I've ever gotten because I was up here with the choir. They're singing soprano notes and alto notes. So if you go to any of my family functions, most of the time it's just sing as loud as you can and obnoxiously. Um, I just want to reiterate real quick before I read the call to worship that this student reverb night, if you have not come to one thing that we've done um, for Glenlock students, this is probably the coolest thing that we're going to do, okay? Um, so what a great way to start out, you know, your time coming and, and, and spending time with us. If you're in the 6th through the 12th grade, then spending a whole night with us, you really get to know somebody if you can stay up all night with them, right? So there'll be soda and food and a lot of fun. So I just want to reiterate that that's a great night to uh, start coming if you haven't been or to uh, just get to know us as a, as a group. Um, as we come to worship this morning, I want to read from Proverbs chapter 4, verses 13, I mean 18 through 23. It says, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Um, we praise you for the opportunity just to be here this morning, Lord, just that we have life and that we have new life in you. Um, we thank you so much for your, your continued spirit, Lord, that you give us. Um, I pray that this morning that we just have all of our thoughts and everything else that we have, Lord, is just pointed towards you and glorifying you. Um, Lord, we thank you so much for the many blessings you've given us, most of all for your son Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, 
you'll stand with us. We're going to continue our worship with singing Jesus Messiah this morning.
just bringing us into this house of worship this morning, God. Um, Lord, thank you for the reminder that all we truly need um, to realize every day is that you've given us Jesus, God. And so we really have everything we need to face every circumstance and every situation, Lord. Um, God, if there's a lost one among us this morning who have not truly just accepted you as their personal Lord and Savior this morning, Lord, I pray that today will be their day of salvation, God. Lord, I pray that you open each one of our hearts right now and clear our minds for the message that you've prepared for us this morning through Neil, um, Pastor Neil, God. Lord, we just love you and praise you and thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians as our children's leaders and children lead for our children's ministry. Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and we're going verse by verse through the second letter to the Corinthians. He is encouraging us as Paul explains his apostolic boldness. He reminds us of what we have in Jesus. As Paul defends and explains why he's so bold and courageous, even though at times he suffers so greatly and appears so weak and, to be honest, just unattractive, uh, he shares with the Corinthians who they are and what they have in Christ. If you're like me, you need constantly reminding of who you are and what you have in Christ. We are very forgetful. We are short-sighted. We are faithless at times. And so that's why it's important to regularly come before the Word of God, the mirror that is the Word, to remind us of who we are and what we have in Jesus. You know, we have a soccer ministry, and yesterday we were preparing for the game at 10 o'clock, or the, the games. And I love Luke Walker. I don't think Luke Walker is in here, but he's, he's here a lot, and he comes a lot on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. Miss Tina's smiling. Lee Walker's a great personality, great kid, so much energy, so much love, so much enthusiasm. And I think I've said from the pulpit before, he's a great soccer player. He comes running up to me before the game yesterday morning, and he says, why are you not preaching us today? <laughs> and I think he meant, why am I not coaching him <laughs> Uh, and, and I don't know what Luke was thinking, but, but Luke apparently sees me as everything I do is about preaching, all right? You preaching us today? No, I'm not preaching you on Saturday at soccer. But we did hear a really good message yesterday, by the way. Bryson shared a devotion from uh, the Sermon on the Mount. So simple and true that if you build your house on the foundation of Christ... You will not be disappointed, ever. But if you build on something else, you will be disappointed. Bryson, I took notes yesterday, and Bryson said, Though it may seem more difficult to build on the solid, true foundation, every other foundation will disappoint you. And I told Bryson afterwards, Jesus was a really good preacher, wasn't he? <laughs> I mean, Christ just puts it so plain and simple that that we must build on Him and Him alone. Every other foundation is going to fail. It's going to disappoint us. So let's continue to let me preach you this morning. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. And, and this is good preaching, okay? And what I mean by that is this is the Word of God. 
And we've said before, the only time in the message where it's absolutely perfect is when we are reading his word. So here it goes. Chapter 3, verse 12 of 2 Corinthians. And Paul is continuing a lot that we've talked about before. And so this is what he says. Having therefore such a hope. Having therefore such a hope. He's talking about the hope we have in Jesus. We use great boldness in our speech. We are not as Moses. And Moses was a really big deal. He's saying this, this that we have now is greater than, than what Moses had. And, and he explains this. We're not as Moses. Moses used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel might not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened. For until this very day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. The veil is removed in Christ. I want to emphasize that. But, but to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a man turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Some of your versions there say, there is freedom. I think the English version says, there the heart is set free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there the heart is set free. So he continues, but we all, all of us with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Look at this. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Father, we know that you transform us. We do not remain the same. You transform us through the reading and hearing and putting into practice of your word. In your word, we behold your glory. We behold Christ. We behold the light so I pray today that as we behold you in your word and behold the gospel, the good news about Jesus, that, that that would be part of the process by which you change us and mold us to shape us to be more like you. Father, we must continually turn to you. And then taking what we receive from you, turn to others and allow our lights to shine. That's what you call us to do. May May this morning and time we spend together in your word this morning, may that continue that great process that you through your spirit are working in each one of our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Today as we meet, what is the surpassing glory of Christ? What is the surpassing glory of Christ? This is what Paul is emphasizing to the Corinthians. What we have in Jesus, and there's so much that we have here. And what he's saying is that the law that came through Moses was glorious. <laughs> We're not diminishing that at all. But what he is saying is that 
that glory that came through Moses and the law is exceeded in an infinite way by the glory that is Jesus Christ. As someone put it, I thought the moon shone brightly until I saw the sun. I have a home in glory land that, what, outshines the sun. Or we could say, how many of you have ever been to the Providence Grand Canyon down in below Columbus, the little Grand Canyon? <laughs> My dad took us years ago. It was wonderful. It was glorious. I've never seen the real Grand Canyon, but I imagine that for all of the glory that Providence Canyon has, that it does not come close to the surpassing glory of the Grand Canyon, right? We're not diminishing that at all. We're just saying that one has exceeding glory that goes beyond what came before. So what Paul is saying is think about the law and think about Moses and think about the glory that came from God through the law and through Moses and then let's compare it to Christ. And once we compare it to Christ, that will increase our worship, our gratitude, our love, our service, all that he demands and all that he requires of us. Previously, the text said, and this emphasizes it even more, the latter half of 2 Corinthians 3, the law had a glory. It came through Moses, but the new covenant, the gospel, which surpasses that in glory, comes through Christ. Jesus is greater than Moses. The law was of the letter, okay? It was engraved in stone. What Christ brings us is of the Spirit, and it's written upon our hearts. The law condemns us and is a ministry of death. It sentences us by showing us how sinful we are and how deserving of condemnation we are. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is a ministry of life. The old covenant, the, what came through Moses, had a fading glory that was temporary and preparatory. What comes from Jesus is eternal and only increases in glory over time into eternity. And the law was a ministry of condemnation, our schoolmaster, driving us to Christ for righteousness, forgiveness, and hope. So Paul says in verse 11 about the Old Testament that that is a glory which was fading, but now we have in Jesus what remains. And what we have in Christ will never be taken away because there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities. Nothing can diminish the glory of Christ and what he gives to us. So what I want to share this morning are what I find he says in 12 through 18 about the surpassing glory of Jesus and what we have in him that exceeds what we had through Moses in the law. And there are seven qualities. I'm not going to spend ten minutes each on these qualities. Okay, so tune in. First of all, he emphasizes that the new covenant in Christ we have he says in verse 12, such a hope. 
So I draw from that that what I have in Jesus is so hope-filled that nothing can, can diminish it. Our anchor holds within the veil. So Paul says, look, the, the law of the Old Testament rendered us hopeless. How? By showing us that there's, that there's no way we could fulfill the law and therefore earn or merit righteousness before God. The law shows me that I've failed to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I've failed to love my neighbor as myself. The law exposes exposes for you and me how hopeless we are left to ourselves. Oh, but the gospel. Christ comes and fulfills the law. Every aspect of it, perfectly and completely. And he pays our sin debt. And he is risen from the dead. God raised him from the dead. So now we have a living hope, Peter says. And Paul is emphasizing as well that his hope throughout this text is not in himself, but is in Christ. So in Jesus, we have a hope that the law could never give, but that the law was driving you and me too. The law says, Neil, you're a sinner. You're depraved. You're wretched. You're wicked. But look at Christ and set your hope and your faith and your trust. Don't trust in yourself. Trust in Christ and, and cling to him as that anchor within, within the veil that is permanent and secure. Someone sent me a quote this week from a minister named Steve Gaines. If I didn't believe in the sovereignty of God, if I didn't believe in salvation in Jesus, if I didn't believe in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, if I didn't believe the truth of Scripture, the power of prayer, in the beauty of the gospel, I would be worried. But I believe in all of that and so much more, so I refuse to be afraid or discouraged. We have a great hope in Christ. That's the first point Paul makes, a hope that goes beyond the difficulties of life and even beyond death itself. What, what did our choir just sing? When I come to die, what? Give me Jesus. Why? Because he is our hope in life and in death. And let me emphasize, he is our only hope. The second thing that I see that Paul says, and it's also in verse 12, since we, and he, he reasons it out. You've got to talk yourself through this the way scripture talks yourself through it. There, since we have a hope, look, we use great boldness in our speech. Hey, since Jesus is my hope, I can speak boldly about a couple of things. I can tell you boldly and plainly that left to myself, I'm absolutely nothing. I'm sure of that. I can boldly proclaim that. I, can, I don't have to be weak or passive in telling you how sinful and wretched I am. And the people who know me well say, Amen, brother. We see it in ways that you don't see it. But just as boldly, we can proclaim that Christ is King and Lord. So we don't have to be passive. We don't have to be uh, wishy-washy. We, we, we don't have to be naive. Or we can. Hey, there's a lot of things that we aren't very sure of. But, but there's two things we can be bold about. Number one, and this is not original. Number one, we are great sinners. And number two, we have a great Savior. 
Paul, why, are you, why is Paul so bold in his speech? Paul doesn't look like much, but boy, he sure, he sure talks strong. So Paul's telling them, I use great boldness because I have great hope. Now let's think about it. There are some things that we are certain about and sure about, and we're bold in our proclamations. And then we, when we are bold in our proclamations, sometimes the things of this earth let us down, and we wish we weren't so bold. Monday night, a lot of you know the Braves were in the National League playoffs. Braves hadn't been in the playoffs in years. Well, a friend of my son Jake's, now if Jake is bold and passionate about anything, it's the Atlanta Braves. I'm raising myself at 13 years old and paying for every bit of it. Oh, he was so passionate, so excited. And so here's what happened. Somebody gave us tickets to the Braves versus Dodgers Monday night. Well, Jake had a pretty serious appointment scheduled for 5 o'clock that day. Well, when someone offers you Braves-Dodgers tickets in the playoffs, you wipe your schedule clean. So I get on the phone with the receptionist at the office where Jake's appointment is. And I say, ma'am, we're not going to make... Sorry, but we're not going to make the 5 o'clock appointment that Jake has today. Someone gave us tickets to the Braves-Dodgers game. And she says, oh, okay, that's, that's interesting. And I didn't get a whole lot from her, and so I thought to myself, I, I just asked her, I says, are, 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 are you a Braves fan? <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to see where she's at with this whole thing, you know. Does, does she think that we're missing for a big reason or, or no reason at all? All right, because we got to reschedule this thing, and you know how they do. If you reschedule too late, then some places you're paying a little money. So does she know that we're missing for a really good reason or for a bad reason? And her reply was, it, it just it bothered me so much that she became a sermon illustration. <laughs> I says, "Are are you a Braves fan?" And her reply was, "Yeah, sure. Why not?" <laughs> like, and I thought to myself, yeah, sure, why not? That, that's, that's not a response of a true fan. And I thought about that. And, I, and then I thought sometimes it was almost like she, she could just take it or leave it. Sure, why not? I mean, you know, whatever. She had no clue the passion that was in that car headed to Atlanta Monday night to see the Braves blow one to the Dodgers. And then I thought about, you know, what's really in our heart and what we really love and care about. We're passionate, right? We're, and and you, you can't, you know, I can't make anybody a break. It's, it just has to, it's either in you or it's not. And what Paul is saying is that when he talks about Jesus and he writes about Jesus and he shows about Jesus, it's not whatever, it's not sure, I, I guess, you know, you know, I guess I'll go to church. I, I guess I'll show up. I mean, that, none of that was in him. He, he's seen the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. He knows that he was deserving of death because of his own sinfulness. Christ is his all in all. And if you want to know why Paul is so bold about his sinfulness and Christ's righteousness... It's because he loves Jesus 
so much because he knows what Christ has done for him. Christ is his hope. He's his only hope. God has slayed every other aspect of Paul but Jesus. So, in Christ, we have this living hope. We have hopefulness. And because we have hope, we're very bold. We don't have to apologize. We don't have to whatever. This is Christ we're talking about. The third, the third quality is that our hope in Jesus, our life in Jesus, the glory of Jesus is unfading. It's unfading. It's, it's not wasting away. Now Moses, on the other hand, he would go in to meet with the Lord, have his veil off, he and God had this, had this relationship where God's glory and brightness shone so brightly that Paul reflected that glory. And so, excuse me, Moses reflected that glory. So Paul is saying when Moses came down from the mountain, God's glory was so bright shining off of him that he pulled that veil down so that the people wouldn't be blown away by the intensity of it. But Paul also explains that that wasn't the only reason. One of the reasons Paul held the veil over, according to 2 Corinthians 3, is that the glory that was shining through Moses was fading. It was diminishing. It was temporal. And Moses didn't want the people to see at that point that his ministry, though it was glorious, it was also fading. Well, that's the condition of all of us under the fall and in sin, is it not? Paul says later, hey, outwardly, we're wasting away. Isaiah the prophet said, the glory of man, it's like a flower. It's like the grass. Man, it looks wonderful in its prime, but, but all of us, including Moses, because Moses was a sinner, and because those tablets he brought down were convicting of sin, even though they were glorious and reflected the nature, and even though Moses had been face-to-face -face with God, as great as he was, his glory was fading. But Jesus, on the other hand, oh, his glory is not fading. Shine, Jesus, shine. Fill this land with what? The Father's glory. And here's what I'm saying. The glory and permanence of the new covenant, the forgiveness and the life you have in Jesus, because it's rooted in his character and his nature and his once-for-all sacrifice, listen, nothing, and I mean nothing, can replace, can supersede or diminish the glory of what Jesus has done for us. It will never fade. Hebrews 7 says, He, because He abides forever, He holds His priesthood permanently. Hence also He is able to save forever those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. My comment to myself is how unlike us Jesus is. Our glory is fading. His glory is unfading and never fades. Very unlike Moses, very unlike the law. The fourth thing, and I've got to move through these, this, this gospel, Jesus, and the ministry of the new covenant, 
his life, death, burial, and resurrection, it's also very revealing. It's revealing. It shows us something about God. It shows us the most important things about God. Because here's the point. The veil that lies over your heart and mind through hard-heartedness or blindness, the veil is removed in Christ. Here's the gospel. Whenever a man turns to the Lord, the veil's taken away. If you turn to Christ, the veil is lifted, and you begin to see yourself and life and God the way he really is. Where Moses had to veil that glory, in Jesus, we have unveiled glory. He reveals who the Father is, so much that he said, if, you see, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So through Jesus, now all this could be learned through the Old Testament, and the Old Testament points to Christ. But think about this, the Old Testament reveals how holy God is, how just God is, how patient and kind and loving and merciful God is, how life-giving he is. But through Jesus, we learn all these things about God in a clear, unmistakable, powerful way in, in such that Moses and the law and the Old Testament, those things were shadows pointing to Christ. In Christ, we have the reality, the clear truth of who God is and how he loves us, and what he's done to save us. But Jesus is the last revelation of God to man because he is sufficient and he is enough. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. So, the veil is removed in Christ and Christ alone. And whenever a person turns to the Lord, this is conversion. This is repentance. This is turning. The Spirit leading someone to finally see Christ. When you see Christ and you turn to Him, the veil is lifted. The fog begins to lift and you begin to see yourself and life and others and most importantly God the way they truly are. Well then here's a good question. How can I turn to Him now? How can I turn to God's glory now, I want to say shortly, the mirror of the glory of God that is His Word, okay? Because here we have light, and here we have life, and here we have truth. And so you and I, like Moses, we turn to the Lord in His Word, and we draw from Him the glory of Christ that's here. And then we turn to others in life and shine before others the life and the love that God has given to us, the good news. Which is why Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And then he said, you also are the light of the world. You, a city that's set on a hill, cannot be hidden. So the, the life of the Christian is this. Turning to Christ and his glory in his word, and then turning to others and shining his love and his life to, to others as, as they need through, through evangelism and service and ministry and love. I turn to God, and then I turn and shine to others. I turn to God, I, but this is not a glory that's fading. It's actually a glory that's increasing, and I'll share that later. The fifth thing, the fifth quality of, the, of Christ is, is the, the liberating uh, work of the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is liberty, true liberty. There the heart is set free. Turning to Christ, the veil removed, then the heart set free. Jesus said, if the Son shall set you free, you're free indeed. Freedom from what? 
Freedom from bondage to the law. No longer bound by the law and its penalties and its punishment and its condemnation. In my hand, no price I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. I'm free. Freedom from bondage to sin. Freedom from bondage to death. Freedom of access into God's presence without fear. Not only freedom from, but freedom to. Freedom to die to self. Freedom to love God. Freedom to give your life away. Freedom to love others. Freedom to overcome what we've called before the silent killers. Self-pity. Greed. Envy. Unforgiveness. Discontent. Anger. Resentment. Lust. Who can set us free from those things? Only Christ. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there, there you have freedom. Not only is He liberating, but He is transforming. Because He says, we are being transformed. Metamorphosis, renewed. And this is a spiritual renewal, a work of the Spirit of God from the inside out. And I want to emphasize that under the old covenant, it was just Moses. But under the new covenant, it's you and me. How do we know that, preacher? Preach to us, preacher. He says, but we all. That's what the new covenant can do that the old covenant could not. The amazing thing is the life of God can live in you and you and you and you and me. That the gospel can be believed and seen and shared by all of us, by every man. And we all have an unveiled face. We are all being transformed. By the renewing of our minds, according to the word of God, into the same image. What are you becoming? All of us are changing. We never stay the same. The question is, what types of changes? Paul says we are being transformed into the same image. The image of what? The image of God and his son. Romans 8, 29. That's why all things occur. To conform us to the image of his son. The great promise is we shall be like him. Where the law brought life, excuse me, condemnation and death, the gospel brings not only life, but transforming life. And then this is the seventh one, if you're still with me. (laughs) What a great verse, by the way, verse 18 is. I mean, Paul is just working out the life of the Spirit and the, the life of the disciple, the life of those who believe and trust in Jesus. And he says, We all with an unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed into the same image. But here's what I want to emphasize as we close. From glory to glory. Just as from the Lord the Spirit. What that means is that he doesn't just change us, but he exponentially changes us. This glory is increasing. It's getting better and better. It's getting brighter and brighter. In a tangible way, are you increasing in the qualities of the Spirit? Is your love increasing? Is your patience increasing? Is your faithfulness and your gentleness and your goodness and your service, are those yours and are they increasing? If so, then you have the assurance that this is the work that's going on from God, from His Spirit in your life, and we are moving as we go from glory to glory. We said earlier, outwardly you're wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. It's a progressive work. 
Bryson read this earlier. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Paul said, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. They don't call it downward soccer. (laughs) Downward basketball. (laughs) It's even difficult to say. We're pressing on what? It's, it's the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is, a, this is a move upward as we deal with you know, chaos and stress and the frustrations of the daily grind. Our best days are ahead. The path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter, brighter and brighter until the full day. Peter said the same thing. Paul and Peter, they were all on the same page because they were on the page of Christ. Peter talked about the qualities that God puts into us. And this is what he said. Let me give a warning. He says, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he says, if these qualities are not in you and not increasing... He says, go back and check yourself to see whether or not you have forgotten who you were and what's been done for you in the faith. And then this one, Bennett and I read at bedtime the other night through the Bible that we gave him at his baptism. We were in 1 Corinthians 13. And this is what Paul tells the Corinthians in the first letter that he wrote them. He says, now we see in a mirror dimly. That's how we see now. It's you know, things at times are clear and f- just like, you know, your, w- your windshield gets all dirty and foggy and, and, who knows, muddy at times if you're on dirt roads, whatever. But we see in a mirror now dimly. But then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully just as I also have been fully known. Paul's point is that this is not only good, but it's increasingly good. It's not only grace, but it's increasingly grace. And John said the same thing. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Christ. And John said, grace upon grace upon grace. Wave after wave after wave after wave of God's amazing daily provision increasingly changes you to the image of who? To the image of Jesus. Have you turned to Jesus for personal salvation? Do you know if you were to die today that you would have this hope, this assurance? Can you say, when I come to die, give me Jesus? And then are you continually turning to Jesus so that you'll become more like Jesus, so that you'll shine more of Jesus as you turn out to others in ministry and service and work and love? Our whole Christian life is a turning again and again to Christ and His Word and then turning out to others in service and evangelism and love. What a message Paul has for us. From glory to glory, as from the Lord, from the Spirit. Without Him, we are nothing. Father, thank You for the Spirit and His work in our lives. Thank You for the Son, His sacrifice of atonement upon the cross to purchase for us when we deserve the opposite, full forgiveness that credited into our account as the righteousness of 
of God in Christ so that now we can be bold and hopeful and also assured that our glory, though, though the fallen nature and the sinful nation is fading, the new nature, the, the, the nature that is, that is in Christ and like Christ, we are, we are being transformed from glory to glory, that the future is bright no matter what our circumstances are day to day. Father, that is such good news. It's, it's so encouraging to see that all of this is in Jesus, but it's all only in Jesus. May we not make idols out of any other person, place, or thing, but find all of this, our all in all, in Christ alone. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing continually the gospel of Jesus Christ. You come as we sing.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, just give thanks for who you are and what you've done for us by sending your son. Uh, really need messages like this because I know I'm a work in progress and I know that nothing, nothing on this earth, nothing anywhere can separate the love you have for me. And I just want to go every day and let other people see you through me even though I sin. It's, it's good to know that I can always come to you and no matter what the sin is that you always forgive us. I know sometimes if we sin too much that you know, you're going to come down hard on us which we deserve but most of the time you just, you just smile and forgive us and that's what we need Lord. We need messages like this to remind us when we go out in the public that we need to share the good news, the news that Jesus Christ, he died for me and he died for everyone. So just let us take this message and don't let us have hard hearts like was mentioned today, Lord. Just let us walk each and every day in, in your word. Let us spread that word because we don't want anybody to, to spend eternity in hell, Lord, and I know that's not your plan, so it's up to us. Jesus did his part, now it's our time to do our part by inviting more people into your kingdom. Once again, I just thank you for the work that your son did on the cross. Uh, we just ask that you bless these offerings that we're giving up today, the tithes and offerings. Use each and every each and every cent out of it to increase your kingdom, Lord. And we just ask that you bless those that aren't a force that we are. And most importantly of all, Lord, I just thank you for your son and the work that he did for me and everyone in this room and everyone in this world. And it's his name that I pray. Amen. <laughs>